my whole team was just because it hasn't been done before it doesn't mean that it can't be done now so I was very strong Will gave me the platform to to put a map in place of how I could actually do it subscribe to the OTBGAA podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts OTB AM with Gillette Labs get the ultimate shave or your money back Neon Night Edition available now and uh, we're going to turn our attention to the uh, WSL loads of action to look forward to and Champions League action as well this week Jesse Parker Humphreys from the Counter Press Podcast joins us on the show this morning morning Jesse how are things? I think we're on mute there but uh, we'll get you we'll pick you up in just a second you might be on mute it might be on our end we'll, we'll figure it out uh, we have Kathleen McMahon in studio with us as well morning Kathleen morning guys how are things? yeah good you said uh, we're looking forward to the WSL and Champions League this week I, I don't know am I looking forward You're nervous. to nervous <laughs> very nervous well like United tonight for Arsenal and then Wolfsburg at the weekend it's not exactly a, an easy run of games mm. we, no. do, we do have Jesse Parker Humphries I think back uh, to discuss that game and uh, plenty else happening this week Jesse sorry we, we lost you there just for just a second but um, looking forward to this one tonight Man Manchester United hosting Arsenal, first against third. It's uh, it's going to be a cracker. Yeah, I think it's going to be a really, really exciting game. Um, it'd be very intriguing to see how both teams deal with the with the pressure of this one. You know, two teams I think who've not been in this position of of having the opportunity to win the WSL in, in quite some time. Obviously, United never really being in that position. Um, they're coming off the back of of reaching their first ever FA Cup final from from the weekend, and then Arsenal kind of have that. Is it a distraction? Is it a motivation of the Wolfsburg game at the weekend? United weren't all that impressive in the in the win over Brighton at the weekend. There's certainly things uh, for, for Mark Skinner and his uh, coaching team to, to kind of pick up on. Sometimes that can be a good thing for a team. It can be the kick up the ass that you need to, to improve when you take on some of the bigger opposition like Arsenal. So surely they won't be as tetchy maybe as they were at the weekend. Yeah, I think you could see maybe the the intensity of what it would have meant for them to meet to reach a first domestic cup final in the game against Brighton. But that being said, I think we've maybe started to see a slight decline in their in their performances and form, which is perhaps to be expected. Mark Skinner isn't a manager who particularly rotates his team very much, and I think you know as you get towards the end of the season, obviously your players start to get a bit more tired. Teams start to figure out how you're going to play if you're playing the same starting eleven every week. And I think that's something that, that we have seen in, in some of their recent games. Um, but equally, like, there's no more motivation than, than obviously facing Arsenal at home. You say about United and the fact that Skinner doesn't really rotate his team. He hasn't really had the bench, I suppose, for a lot of the year to rotate too much in terms of the players. But you also look at Arsenal going into this game and the sort of players that they're missing. Which team do you think going into tonight is probably suffering a little bit more from either... Skinner's classic team that he likes to stick with or the fact that Arsenal haven't really been able to have the team that they want for most of the season? Yeah, Arsenal's injuries this season have been atrocious and it's kind of amazing they're even in this position. But that being said, I actually feel like coming off the incredible sort of end of February, March that they had winning the Continental Cup, uh, coming from behind to not buying out of the Champions League, uh, the win against Man City again coming from behind. It feels like regardless of uh, the things that have gone against them uh, in terms of injuries, that Jonas Eidevel has built this a very impressive collective who I feel like are coming together in a way that, that we haven't seen. It feels like they're peaking at this point in the season, whereas I feel like Manchester United... They're almost on on the other end of the trajectory and it feels like there are the players there for Skinner to bring in if he wanted to. It's just almost like he doesn't quite trust them yet, Um, which is fine, I guess. But maybe when you need to freshen stuff up, that's when you would like to be turning to your bench. 
In terms of the players who he could bring in, who would be the sort of player that you would like to see him bring in? Well, I guess a Wilderboer Risa is a name who uh, has been looked at a lot. Um, obviously, she kind of plays in, in the midfield area, which is quite fixed. You've got Katie Zellum, you've got Ella Toon. Um, she was brought in to play in that more central role with Ella Toon playing on the right wing uh, against Brighton in the WSL, um, which I'm not really sure was the solution. Equally, Lucia Garcia is a player who I think has looked amazing every time she's played, but she's kind of been rotated in and out with Nikita Paris. Um, hasn't really had an opportunity there to, to nail down her spot. Um, so they're just a couple of players who I think it'd be interesting to see if they were used more, but definitely it feels like Skinner knows who he wants to play and how he wants them to play. Um, and as I say, I don't think that has to be a problem. It's just when you're looking at whether teams have kind of, I think we saw this against Brighton in, in the semi-final, you know, on is obviously a fantastic player. I'm not saying like she shouldn't start, but I think you could see how Brighton were like, right, we're just going to do a man marking job on her and really try and limit the the opportunity she gets going forward. Viatkari Sari doing a fantastic job for large portions of the game there. They're the issues that I think arise when you're using the same eleven again and again. Uh, Jesse, the fixture scheduling has been something that's cropped up in, in press conferences across the season. And Jonas Eidevel is quite keen to to stress it this week, especially. So we mentioned Arsenal, of course, in, in action tonight. But then they have the uh, the trip to Wolfsburg away on Saturday in that Champions League semi final first leg. Um, whereas Chelsea, they play last Sunday and they have that gap until until this weekend when they are at home against Barcelona at Stamford Bridge. Uh, does he have a point? I, I'd make saying it's very odd. He finds it very odd that the scheduling sees uh, sees Arsenal and Chelsea um, with very different weeks. I mean, but equally, you could say Chelsea play on Saturday in their first leg and Thursday in their second, whereas mm. Arsenal play on Sunday and then the bank holiday Monday. So, look, I think across the course of the season, teams are going to have moments where they feel like they've got very quick turnarounds between games they're going to have moments where they look at the opposition and think you know it's unfair that they've got more more or less prep uh, man united could say they're frustrated because arsenal have had didn't one in the fa cup semi-final so they had a whole week to prepare coming off the back of the international break whereas manchester united to prepare for the brighton game and then this one look over the season i think generally these things work out and ultimately it's kind of a privilege if if you're arsenal that you've got these extra games uh in the calendar because because you've reached this point and I think really you've got to 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 rise to that occasion even if it means things get tougher in the league because you've got these extra games scheduled in. You mentioned the Arsenal injuries. Um, Chelsea haven't been fully lucky themselves. Millie Bright being one of those ahead of the Barcelona game that you're looking at taking what might have been, but but they'll be looking to banish demons against Barcelona. It's probably one of these uh, mouthwatering ties that we wanted to see, but Chelsea fans, I'm sure, will will have nightmares thinking about Barcelona. Uh, yeah, I, I think so. Um, obviously, the the loss in the Champions League final in 2021, uh, four goals conceded in the first half, is is one of the more brutal performances that uh, I've ever had to see sit through uh, a team the team deal with. And and Chelsea, you know, they they've not had it easy at all. Obviously, knocking out Leon, the holders of the Champions League, to get to this point, only to have to face the the previous holders in Barcelona, who obviously reached the final last year as well. Um, it's going to be very very tough for them. Uh, no. Millie Bright, probably no Kadisha Buchanan either. So I think we're definitely going to be looking at a makeshift centre-back pairing. Equally, there's been a lot of injuries in attack. You know, Penila Harder potentially back. We saw her on the bench in the in the game against Villa in the FA Cup at the weekend. Um, but still no Frank Kirby and kind of no update on, on whether we might even see her this season. So 
Chelsea, it, it's been tough. I think they've they've struggled with injuries almost as much as Arsenal have, to be honest. Um, but, you know, I, sometimes I think Emma Hayes gets the, the most out of her team when their backs are against the wall. Um, it's going to be tough, I think, to beat Barcelona over the two legs. Maybe in, if it was a one-off game, you, you might give Chelsea a chance. Um, but to have to go to the Camp Nou for the second leg, uh, it will be some experience, but <laughs> I don't know if it will be a good one. <laughs> Jesse, can you tell me, like you say, it's going to be difficult and I totally agree in terms of doing it over the two legs against Barcelona, but they probably would have said the same thing against Lyon. And I mean, that second match, like what was going through your head watching it? I Like I was watching it from behind my fingers. It was so <laughs> intense. And like, I've never had so many messages about a like women's soccer before ever. I was like, all my friends who don't even normally watch it were just like, this is so intense. Yeah, I mean, it's got to be one of the more amazing games that I've ever been to. Uh, I was at Stamford Bridge and I, you know, had fully just accepted that Chelsea were down and out and, and it was all over because it felt like Chelsea's whole game plan was just to defend the 1-0 lead from the first leg. As soon as Leon scored, it felt like the writing was on the wall. I never saw Chelsea you know, coming and getting a, a goal in, in open play. And Emma Hayes basically said as much after the match. But then obviously the the penalty decision, the fact that it became the last kick of the game and everyone was being sent away. You had no real sense in the, the ground of what was going on. I don't know if that was different if you were watching from home, but I think there was just general confusion. Obviously, you know, the, the ice cold mentality from Aaron Mielda to step up and score and send it to penalties. But um, yeah, obviously you... It's it's hard when you look at these things. On the one hand, I feel like, oh, have Chelsea used up all their miracle moments <laughs> from the Champions League in that in that game, or or do you start to think, oh, there's you know something weird going on. There's something a bit special going on here. Um, I think the difference is is that the the Leon team Chelsea are facing are a Leon team who've also struggled with injuries this season, who I don't think have played anywhere near their peak nowhere near their level whereas Barcelona despite obviously missing Alexia Pateas for most of the season we've really seen them I think wind themselves up and get get into really good form maybe at the start of the year we saw them be a bit shaky they did lose to Bayern Munich in the group stage but their recent performances have just been back to peak Barcelona Aitana Bomati has more than stepped into Alexia's shoes uh, in, in her absence and yeah they're just such a relentless team to have to face them over 180 minutes is I honestly don't know if there's any team in in Europe right now who could who could come out on top there. But hey, that's why we watch football because yeah. sometimes the things you think are going to happen they they just don't. Yeah, you can never write Chelsea off and just to mention Sam Kerr as well like she's really on form at the minute. We feel that she's probably in the main driving force for Chelsea. Yeah, definitely. I think it's been an interesting season for Kerr. She's not scored as many goals as we've seen her do in past seasons for Chelsea, but I think the goals she has scored have been incredibly important. You think back to to the equaliser at, at the Emirates against Arsenal in January, uh, the goal against United as well uh, in March. And I feel like it will be very interesting to see how Barcelona try and deal with her because they're a team that like to push their centre-backs forward and Kerr's a player who thrives when she has that space to run into. Games on two big pitches as well, Stamford Bridge and Camp Nou, obviously. Um, so I feel like Chelsea Chelsea will think, you know, if they're going to have their opportunity, uh, it will come through Kerr. She's not always a player who, even though she's an incredible goal scorer, is someone who you absolutely rely on <laughs> to score the chances she takes. And it's very strange thing she can 
score this absolute worldie and then sometimes she'll miss something that, that you feel like it, it should be an easy one. She had a one-on-one uh, against Hannah Hampton uh, in the Villa game at, at the weekend and, and missed. So Chelsea, I think, will be hoping that uh, she's on she's on peak form. Um, but obviously, you know, in, in the international break, she, she got a rest in that Australia game against Scotland. Uh, then she was just absolutely immense in England against England, inflicting their, their first defeat, obviously, under Wiegmann. So feels like she's in a good place right now. What's the blueprint for stopping Sam Kerr, Jesse? Because as Republic of Ireland fans, we're looking towards the, that opening World Cup game, Australia against ourselves on the 20th of July, and, and really nervous sweats trying to think about how, how that Irish defence can stop her. Yeah, I think I could make a lot of money if I had a good blueprint. <laughs> I think her movement's just like absolutely incredible, and that's I, somehow defenders have to try try and deal with that. I've spoken to defenders before who say that you just think you've got a ball coming in and it's just like her, her movement and the way she jumps in the air suddenly like she's she's beyond you and, and, and she's gone. Um, I think the key is probably dealing with the, the players who are going to play those balls in, in behind. You know, when, when you're looking at Chelsea team, it's how do you deal with Guru Wrighton so she's not in a position to put that cross into the box, to play that ball over the top to her. And and that's ultimately the key. Like, she's such a, a ruthless striker that in, in some ways I think you've got to cut her off at the source rather than worry too much about what she's actually doing. What did you make of this whole um, debacle over the, the FA Cup final tickets, uh, Jesse? Because it's a bit of a strange one. So we've had 65,000 tickets issued, 50,000 are neutral uh, that have sold out, and the clubs are only getting a, a handful of 8,000 each. Now, when you compare that to the men's FA Cup final, each club gets around 30,500 tickets for, for the two clubs that are involved. Seems like a strange split of the stadium. It does. And I think it does when you compare it specifically to the men's FA Cup final. But I think it's really important to remember that you know, the women's game is still growing Mm. and we're looking at having a sold out Wembley for an FA Cup final for the first time ever. You know, when you're looking at the Chelsea City FA Cup final from last season, I think we we saw like 50,000 tickets sold. So there's been a massive increase and interest. Obviously, I'm sure the fact that United having Ella Toon, Mary Earps, Alessia Russo only adds to that interest given how popular the Lionesses have become within England. And I think it's also important to bear in mind that you know, when we're talking about men's teams, these are these are the clubs that sell out 30, 40, 50,000 seater stadiums themselves every week, whereas Chelsea's allocation is double what they could fit in King's Meadow. And they only sell out King's Meadow a handful of times a season. So I think when you take it in that context, um, it feels like quite a lot of tickets mm. for each team. I think the thing that would have been maybe interesting, uh, which I saw someone suggest, which is that to maybe give a bigger allocation but have a deadline, so that if those tickets through clubs aren't being sold, there is the opportunity for neutrals to go. Um, it, women's football does have a different fan culture, and I think that's something that that should be celebrated. Um, and and having more neutral fans there, I think, can be seen as a good thing, providing that the, the fans of the clubs who are in the final can can get their tickets and can be be within their groups. Um, but equally, I think it, it's something that's that's understandably a learning process, given how much the the changing fandom, you know, how much fandom has changed within within England specifically as well since since they won the Euros. Considering the run-in of games that the top four teams at the moment have, Jesse, who do you think is first going to win the entire thing and who is going to get those Champions League places for next season? No pressure. So, and I will be replaying this when it comes to <laughs> yeah, the last exactly. weekend of May. Clip <laughs> this one up. Um, I do think it's hard to look past Chelsea uh, in terms of winning it. I feel like they've 
got probably the easiest running in terms of it's the games are in their hands and realistically the biggest challenge w- will be Arsenal but it is a home game um the only thing that I think will be interesting is how much these Barcelona games might affect them they would be looking to win the league for the fourth time in a row it's understandable that Emma Hayes probably cares a lot more about the potential of winning the Champions League than she does winning another WSL title um but equally I think if they go out of the Champions League they will say well we we'd like to take a domestic double in the FA Cup final and the WSL still the Champions league spots I really have no no idea and I think tonight could give us a big clue I think if either Arsenal or United was to lose you would suddenly think or maybe it could be one of those teams to drop out because again it just becomes that impetus thing and I think what the reason why part of the reason I think Chelsea are are favourites is because they've been there and done that before in terms of just like pushing on like you see them put wins eight nine wins in a row to win leagues in the past seasons for all three of City Arsenal United it's going to come down to I think like who doesn't let it get to their heads um I think Arsenal probably have a a good shot of of getting Champions League and equally if they win tonight I think they'll feel like obviously if they beat Chelsea they they could win the league too um so I do wonder if it'll be one of the Manchester teams to miss out but I'm going to fully sit on the fence here and say I've got no clue at this point which one it will be it's a married answer that's fair that's fair <laughs> uh, yes I'm really sorry to bring it up I really really am but as a Chelsea fan last night how do you feel about the the start of the Frank Lampard tenure part two uh, yeah um it's been a it's been a weird couple of weeks and I think last night kind of summed up Chelsea's whole season in that uh you know there were some real positives in the performance great energy good chances in front of goal can't score any of them uh end up end up losing obviously um the frank lampard appointment's weird i don't think it's had the effect that uh the the ownership thought it might have i mean i guess chelsea sort of looked better potentially against real madrid but equally graham potter's Probably his best managerial performance came against Dortmund in the second leg uh, of the of the round of 16 game. So, and now you just look at the rest of the season and you're like, okay, Lampard's not going to be there beyond the end of the season. What what's his role with this team? Like, what what is the aims? You know, the leagues. I mean, what is the league? It's like we can finish 10th or 12th. Great. Um, I don't know how Lampard motivates such a, a big squad. I guess, you know, the development of some of the younger players will, will be his focus. But yeah, just pretty frustrating to be sitting in the in the middle of April and, and feel like the season's very, very much gone. Yeah, we'll wait and watch with bated breath to see what Lampard can do with this Chelsea team between now and the end of the season regardless. Uh, Jesse, great stuff. Thanks a million for joining us this morning. Thanks for having me. That's Jesse Parker Humphreys from the Counter Press Podcast. OTB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition, available now.